Welcome back to the Tim Weichselbaum Show. This is episode 36, and I am sitting here with your second in-studio guest for my podcast. It is a comedian named Jack Horner. Yeah, dude, you know what this is? And he's making fucking you know faces. I'm looking at a fat pussy, bro. What the hell? Oh, a, a fat one? Pussy. A now fat you know, pussy. A fat, wide, smelly pussy, dude. How you many? But I'm loving it. So how many times have you been on a podcast? Um, so, uh, let's see here. There was that one I did answer. with, uh, I don't know if you've heard of him, Joe Rogan. Uh, that was pretty cool. Um, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow. I mean, I just call her Gwen Gwen. You know, we're bros. Does she have a I did her podcast? podcast. You know, but we just fucked. It was weird. You know what I'm saying? Um, she was like, oh, I want to be, I want you on my podcast to sell my goop. But then she was like, I want your goop, John, because Chris Martin, my husband, the lead singer at Coldplay, has a tiny penis, you know? And it was crazy. That was a cool podcast. Um, let's see who else. Uh, oh, Tim Dillon. You ever heard of Tim Dillon? Yeah, that was great. No, I'm just, I'm just naming the most famous podcasters I've ever done. I honestly, like, so I've, I've interviewed some people. I've been in your position before. Um, I've, uh, I've never, I don't know how many times I've been the guest on one. I, like, I think never. This might be the first time I've ever been a guest. It's Fuck weird. Yeah. Yeah. We got a lot to yeah. talk about. Awesome. Yeah. So we were talking off off the mic about how we were just trying to get to know each other a little yeah. bit. You're saying you're you're an oddist or an oddist. Oddist. I've like, never heard anybody call themselves. So I've heard it called. Other people called that. Yeah. On 4chan. When did um, you adopt that label for yourself? Is like. Um. So I guess you haven't heard of my work on 4chan. You know. Uh. That's really where I got my working start in comedy. It was amazing. Uh, Pepe the Frog, I think, is the Kermit of our generation, you know? Are you actually a He's, 4chan guy? No. I've never, okay. I've never fucking you know, been on 4chan. Like, hey, could be true, everything you said. Oh, yeah, no. Checks I, out. I've, I seem like one of those fucking like, people. I think you can see it in my eyes. Just because I haven't had a lot of sex in my life. You, you 100%. Know? You definitely seem like you have that. Depth, you have that look. Yeah. And like, demeanor. Of a four chan, yeah. But so do I'm not. That's not an insult. I'm just. Yeah. Being, I mean, not, hey, I'm just being yeah, honest. Yeah, I. I do too. I, I think that like I I have like if there's like a list of like five different categories that make like a four chan guy, I have like three of them. You know, I I feel like it's an introverted, bright, usually European Caucasian male, mm-hmm. um, that doesn't get a lot of sex, and then that not sex boils into rage can, can i tell you a bit i thought of that i think is amazing but i just don't know how to do it in, on stage and it's amazing because it's a good getting to know you bit so okay. it's like um I, I can use incel rage like a cheat code in mortal Kombat. you know like like some guy like uh is a dick to me in public like cuts me off while i'm walking on the sidewalk and i'm like finish him you go to the gym because you have a small penis, you know, shit like that. See, it's, but you're like, no. So, yeah. But the whole phrase, like, I have incel rage, um, uh, I, like, I use it like a cheat code in Mortal Kombat. That's kind of like my, my secret weapon. Like, you know, right. like, I can get explosive. Like, I think it's good for a guy like me to be a little angry, you know? Like, I, I'm definitely too angry, but sometimes a little anger is, like, needed. If you're in a conversation. Is this still part of the bit or now you're just no. not talking? Oh, no, I'm just talking. I'm okay, sorry. the bit. I like the bit. The yeah. premise, it's like that would be like the fatality. Yeah, yeah, the, fa- the fatality. But anyway, yeah, fatality. but then you started talking about for real, like how you actually have like some sort of rage. 
And there is yeah. probably, like, we're probably, you know, a lot of men these days, a lot of short. Do you identify as short? No, I no, I mean, I, I think I'm average height. Like, I'm 5'7", 5'8". I want to lump you into my well, fucking well, baggage. But, well, I mean, I'm short, like, er, then I think I actually, like, I appear shorter just because my posture is hunched. And no, I think it's the same, like, Napoleon complex thing. It's because it's being handicapped in the way that I am and, like, the way that I walk is diminutive. In the same way being short is in a way. You know what I'm saying? I think there is a kind of a similarity there where it's like I feel like I have something to compensate for. Yeah. You know? We does, that, does that make any sense? It does. And the word diminutive is a word that I would like to learn. You've never been uh, – is that a what joke? What does that mean? What is that word? Have you never heard the word like, – I've heard it, but I don't like, know what it means. Diminutive mean. I, is The like, context made sense. It's a it's But like I want to know. It's I like wanna. a – I think it's just a – the same as small, more or less. It's is that what it means? Yeah, small. So anyway, so I like, did want to seriously know about when you started calling yourself an artist. Is that something that, like, do you identify, do you, how often do you make it your identity? Like, how no. integral is your autism to your identity? So I'm, I'm not actually autistic. You really? Know? I, I, I have, like, so I'm a neurodivergent. I'm ADHD. Okay. Like, you know what I'm saying? And, like, it's, like, sort of, like, and I'm not, like, a psychologist, like, I don't know how all that shit works, but like there's certain like similar traits that like autists and ADHD people have. And I might be like an undiagnosed autistic. Like I rock back and forth like a lot. So, okay. We, we just talked about shit that we have to like maybe edit out, but okay, we're not going to edit this out because this might be mean. And if this guy sees it, he's going to be like offended. But anyway, like I was, I was hanging out with this autistic guy, right? And, uh, we were, I was actually interviewing him for my podcast and I was like, yo, you know, um, uh, I think I might be autistic cause I stim and he's like, what's stimming? It's like, you know, it's like a repetitive action. It's like something like I rock back and forth like this and I would listen to music and I was like, uh, do you do anything like that? Oh, and he's like, yeah, I think I know what you mean. Uh, I do this. And he starts like waving his arms around like that. He started like waving his arms around like that for like a long time. And it's like, holy shit, okay, I'm not as autistic as I thought I was. Like, there's different levels. There's, like, rock, and then there's this shit, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but no, I don't actually think I'm autistic. Even it, after that perfect example of why you probably are? Yeah. You yeah, still I don't mean, think 100%, you have it? 100%, 100%. See, I, don't, I would never tell somebody they're autistic. I hate when people do that. Yeah. Because people do that to me all the time. But I'm starting to, for myself, accept that I, I kind of hope I have it. It would explain some of my problems. Yeah, like, um, do you, uh, I, I'd be really surprised if you'd ever heard of this, but I was listening to an interview and they brought up Jerry Seinfeld and how apparently Jerry Seinfeld read a book that was an autobiography of a guy that had autism and he, uh, or had Asperger's rather, like the less serious one. And, um, uh, like, and he talked about how, like, one of the main traits was, like, not being able to talk to people. And, like, people, like, I can't talk to people. And people, like, think it's weird, like, when I say that because I appear very extroverted. And, like, I'm good at, like, I want to be nice to people. I want to spread love and, like, warmth and energy. I'm, like, one of those people. I try to be uplifting, you know? And, like, I'm good at saying, like, hey, how are you? How are you doing, man? But beyond that shit, like, I can't, I can't do it. You know, at a certain point, I have a hard time like making conversation, okay. you know, and like I brought that up to like the guy, the autistic guy that I was interviewing and uh, he kind of like, yeah, he's like, yeah, I know exactly what that is. Did you feel like you have that too? Maybe not in the same way that you 
relate to i get oh, but the not being able to talk to people is is base is the most uh that's like the most prominent thing that i would relate to with autism is like yeah. not being able to go up to people not knowing how to have do little things like even just saying goodbye to people yeah like at open mics i never say goodbye to anybody, because I don't want to bother them. It's oh, weird. It's yeah. a mixture of things. No, same. No, I, maybe it's not just tonight. autism. Like I know how to say goodbye to people. It's not that yeah. fucking hard. Just go, okay, I'm leaving. But like, I just don't want to bother them with yeah. my own ego. Them carry. I don't think they give a fuck about me enough. Well, yeah, no, exactly. No, honestly, it's like it's not that they don't give a fuck about me. It's that they give more of a fuck about what they're currently doing, and I don't want to interrupt that. Yeah, you know? that's true. That's too. it. It's that's like, it. yeah. And, and no, I, I literally said goodbye to nobody at like uh, the Mueller Lake when I just left. I just left and like, uh, Victor, he was like, John, where you said something like, yeah, where are you going, man? And I was like, see you, you know? <laughs> you didn't like, stop okay. me. Oh, okay. I know one thing I I'm did really the same bad at, thing. I didn't give a fuck when I was like, oh, I was going to say one thing I'm really bad at is leaving conversations. Do you leave conversations without like meaning to? Uh, you know? Like, so it's like someone will say something, then I'll say something else. And then they'll say something that wasn't a question, right? And then, okay, like you didn't <laughs> ask wasn't. a question. There's no continuing of this conversation. I'm walking away, and uh, you're a hot girl, and you kind of liked me. Not that we were going to fuck or anything like that, but I could tell you kind of liked me, and now I'm fucking weird, you know? So, so small talk is what you're talking about, kind of yeah. getting that. Oh, yeah. Struggle yeah. with that. Uh-huh. Dude, me, yeah, me too. It's tough. Yeah. I don't know if I'm that rigid where I just like walk away no. the second they don't ask a question. Like you, it sounds like you're very logic based. Yeah, no, and it's it's not that like it's not that extreme, but I feel like it's something I do a lot, and I don't know if I because no one's ever brought it up to me. This is something that I like speculate that I do. I'm not sure how much of a problem it actually is because really to analyze your own social interactions, you can't do that, right? Because that's all completely based on perception. You're like other people's perception of you, not your, your perception of yourself, right? That's always going to be flawed. Uh, yeah, maybe. I think sometimes you can analyze your own uh, social interaction. Just be like, what did I do that was weird? What did I do that I should have not done yeah. for my own benefit? Just for, so I don't feel like I got taken advantage of. There's many examples of like where I could, I just am like very generous to other people if I don't want to uh, have confrontation. Like if somebody asks me for something and I am afraid to be like rejecting them, I don't know. I look back at my own social interactions all the fucking time and I go, oh, I should have not done that. I should have done this. Should have been more assertive is usually the bottom line. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know exactly what I'm you're talking assertive. about. not assertive. Yeah. No, me neither. Like I, I want to be nice and like, and, and I don't mind like the term doormat. Like I don't mind being a little bit of a doormat. I don't mind a friendship where it's maybe a little bit more one-sided, but I definitely don't express myself enough, you know? And when people like cross that line, it like, it, I should say something more, you know, instead of just like letting it boil. Cause like, I'm the guy that, you know, have you heard my joke? Um, like, I'm just like everybody else. I, I drive to work in the morning and imagine stabbing my eighth grade bully to death going, who's the bitch now? Like, so that's that's based on like a real thing where it's like I'm kind of a daydreamer. I'm kind of an imaginative person. And I spend a lot of time just like saying what I really wanted to fucking say, you know? Like, uh, can I tell you something I was just thinking about? So, um, uh, like, 
like I have this friend who like I'm not a good driver, but I have this friend who just freaks the fuck out. Like every time he gets in the car with me, and, and I'm giving him a ride somewhere, I'm not charging him gas. Like I'm doing him a favor, <laughs> and I've lived in Austin for six months and I haven't gotten into a fucking car wreck. You know, no, it hasn't happened yet. I, I know how to get from point A to point B. And like the way that you're acting as a passenger is going to cause an accident. You know, that like when, when people are that oblivious, it's like if you're fucking screaming every time I like slam the brakes or whatever, it's like, dude, you're freaking out. And it's like, like I should say something about it. You know, like that's the worst. But yeah, it's like like that. Like that's disrespectful. Like Don't do that. You know, Ugh, dude. Yeah. Backseat drivers. Even if you are a bad driver, it still pisses you off. Even, yeah. if, even if it's warranted. Yeah. I yeah. still go, hey, if you're in my car, you got to accept my, my late braking and my yeah. hurried my mistakes. Yeah. No, I'm trying to be a better driver myself. I'm not, I always, I, you know, everyone makes, not everybody, but I make dumb mistakes sometimes. I'm not the best driver, but yeah, I, wouldn't, I can't tolerate people doing that yeah no it's it's unacceptable like i just feel like people kind of push me around like what we're talking about and it's like like dude i'm gonna take it out on the wrong person one day like i'm gonna fucking like dude like if like i i have enough of those backseat driver experiences like five in a row and then i'm at my store and a customer comes in and why do i have to pay the 35 dollar activation fee hey pay the fucking 35 dollar activation fee okay any other store you went to charge you that shit okay we all do it it's a corporate policy so quit bitching you know what i'm saying like that's gonna like that's gonna happen like i'm gonna direct it at the wrong person and then if you ever never done that yet you've never like uh Whatever the word is, blown up on somebody or snapped at somebody. Yeah, no, I have a lot. Yeah. Sure. Sure, yeah, no, that's why I think I'm going to do it again. Yeah. You're going to do it again. I'm about to do it right now. Let's fucking, I'm tired of this fucking shit, Jim. Yeah, you're, yeah. sorry that I'm not as energized as, like, I'm very, yeah. like, mellow at the moment. I took mushrooms earlier. Oh, wow. So I'm, I'm over that. Like, I'm very back to normal baseline. Yeah, but have you slept yet? Uh, well, I slept last night. Okay, but not since the trip, like, ended? Oh no, that was just literally just before I oh saw like I saw you at the mic. Okay, was, yeah. I never feel right. Took a small um, amount, very small amount, like a gram or something like that. Oh, less than that. A gram would have been too much to be uh, on in public. Yeah, I like to take just enough where I barely feel, where I just feel slight something. Microdosing. Right it's on. more than micro. Yeah, micro. You don't feel it. Yeah, or, yeah, it just makes everything seem shinier or whatever the fuck. Micro, yeah, you're not supposed to feel it at all. This would be more than that. Yeah. But, uh, microdosing, I'm too lazy to do. It's like, I want to I feel something. I want to just take something and have it supposedly work in the background. No, I like to actually feel the mushrooms doing something. Can, can I, I, like, uh, and do you mind if I vape? Is that cool? I mean, hey, yeah, I'm not going to stop you from vaping a little thing in here. That's not a problem. Uh, Sorry, guys. I don't know if you knew I was this badass, just vaping. You know what I'm saying? I'm a rock star. So we covered the, a big topic. We covered autism. I think it's a we could. It's a good. It's a good heavy thing. It's not heavy. So um, can I, can I talk to you about like uh, mushrooms and like psychedelics yeah, and all that stuff? I brought it up. So I don't. Here's the thing. Like I'm sober, um, and it was like I was sober for about nine months. 
And then when I moved to Austin, I kind of slipped a little bit and started drinking. Nothing major, but like, you know, I just wasn't sober anymore. And I kind of felt like shit because you're on like a good run. Of like, I'm sober every day and I'm crushing it. And like, I have like this productivity app and it's like, yeah, I'm doing it. Yeah. You know, and then I kind of slipped and I started drinking again. And you know, with like with Austin traffic being what it is and just like the fact that I live like 20 minutes away from my apartment, you know, it's like you really can't afford to like have a couple of drinks and then get behind the wheel. Like, even if I'm not over the limit, it's just like, I'm not, I'm not doing that. Like, you know, I'm not Wait, even what do you like, mean you live 20 minutes from your apartment? What did you, like, mean, what so did you mean most, to say? Most what? like live, I'm sorry, like the club's 20 minutes from my apartment. Okay, so my where bad. you mostly get drunk is 20 yeah. minutes. That's what yeah, I thought. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just, I'm sorry, I just fucked up. I, sh- I, me- I get where you meant. Um, I don't yeah, know why. No, I thank you for calling anyway, me out on that. So, 20, uh, so it is, I get where you're going, or I get what you're saying so, so far. I'm sorry, I'm so fucking hammered right now. It takes bro. A, it's, it's so hard to not drink when you're going out to yeah. comedy clubs. And like, uh, and um, I'm sober again. And I've thought a lot about like just my relationship with drugs and how that like influenced me. So when I was a kid, you know, I, I just, I did like the typical shit, like, you know, I, and I, I don't want to say what, but like, you know, like, you know, smoked a lot of pot, you know, like, I, like if there's like a universe, like our multiple universes, you know, this is like stoner John, you know? And like, yeah, like that's kind of like, yeah, that that's like sort of the path I took. Like when I was 15, just, yeah, I started smoking weed and, you know, all throughout my twenties and then, um, did a lot of some psychedelics, pretty decent amount. Um, and I feel like, like I've had some good experiences and I've had some things happen that needed to happen, you know, and like I've, I've had some conclusions, you know, that, or I've reached some conclusions while I was tripping rather that were great, but I feel like overall, Like the fact that I kind of started smoking weed young and like all those psychedelics were very like a net negative on my life, you know, and I'm sorry. I know that you've been like tripping today. I don't want to be like a downer. No, this podcast, one of the themes is sobriety. That's why I started it actually because I became sober eight months ago. Yeah. And that's when I decided to do this podcast. Yeah. And like, so So that's not a downer at all. Yeah. And and I, I just feel like, um, I was like, I, I mean, I was a lazy, spoiled brat, you know, like, and I feel like pot really like killed my ambition, you know, like it wasn't good. Yeah. And also like it put me in like a lot of situations where like my friend group wasn't really my friends, you know, like, I mean, I'm kind of like we talked about it, like I'm a doormat, you know, I'm the guy that everybody wants to like, hey, John, can you come pick us up and uh, oh. like d- deliver these drugs over to the other side of town and fucking like, you know what I'm saying? Oh. Or something like that. Or like, hey, man, can you come smoke us up? Like, like, you know, and it's just like over, over and over again and you never come smoke me up, you know. But again, I've, have you ever had someone get mad at you because you don't smoke them up and you've smoked them up like a billion times? Mad at me? Yeah, well, it's usually a psychopath that does that. Yeah, well, but yes, I've been entitled, I've been entitled around, people. I've been around yeah. people like that. Yeah, entitled. Pretty, I still am around people like that in, yeah. in, in the comedy in Austin. I've met people that are so bad. Oh They're, yeah, they keep. Yeah, I keep thinking I'm not going to meet people or I'm, that I'm immune to it or something. But no. Yeah. So you're just not smoking weed? Yeah, no, I'm. I'm not smoking weed. Um, I switched to CBD. Like, cause they, that kind of like helps with the, like the, like the urge to smoke pot. Um, and like, yeah, I just feel like, you know, it, like if you try to ingratiate yourself into a friend group where, 
you're kind of like the guy that everybody uses like over time, like that really has an effect on you. And, and yeah, and again, like, I just think it was mostly negative. Like I regret not doing well in high school. Like I, I graduated with a 1.9 GPA, you know, like, and I, I'm, I'm fine. I'm here. Like, you know, did it ruin my life? Maybe not necessarily, but no, I wish I would have done better. Like, um, you know, my grandparents, I was very close with them. Like, I don't have any cousins on like that side of the family. And just like when they passed away, it's just like where my life was at. Like, I was just kind of ashamed, you know, like I didn't, I've never been in like a serious relationship, didn't have a family, didn't have a great job, you know, like, and it's just like, yeah, I'm just a stoner. Like, and I drink. When was and, this? Like, so this was like a, when they passed away, it was a couple of years ago. Like, a couple of years ago. Yeah. And uh, how old are you now? I'm, I'm 30. I'm going to be 31 in like a couple okay. of weeks. Yeah. So you made this realization or this part of your life is you made this chapter of your life. You wanted to make a change to get out of it. Yeah. To wanted to turn over a new leaf. Mm -hmm. And then you moved to Austin about how long? Six months ago? Uh, five. Uh, January 18th. Just, okay. Yeah. Wow, you're that new. Yep. I mean, I'm only a year, so that's not much longer. I just figure, I don't know. I just, it's always yeah, interesting yeah. to. Um, and. I just feel like that, that. that's the other thing that's hard about sobriety. I'm sure you can relate to this. Like a lot of people smoke pot, you know, like, and I don't it's so normalized and I don't, I don't want to do that. You know, like, it's so weird not yeah. to smoke pot yeah. if uh -huh. you're a comedian or drink or do anything. Yeah. Uh, but I don't do mushrooms just to fit in. I do it cause it fucking works. Right it on. I would never tell some, I would never force drugs onto somebody but I would definitely like pressure them. I'd be like, please, can we do like my younger brother's coming into town in a month and I'm definitely going to pressure the fuck out of him to do mushrooms with me because I love doing them. And I just want to do, do them with somebody that I, that I relate to that I can hang out with. It's so hard to find somebody that you are on the same wavelength with. And that kind of is what you're kind of talking yeah. about a little bit with the friend group. Yeah. They're using you. I don't know. It's very hard to find good people, especially yeah. in the comedy world. Yeah. And it's like, I also think like that there's an aspect of growth and realizing that no one's perfect. And sometimes I'm not good people either. That's what I have to remind myself of. Like, I, I kind of realized that like my so-called low self-esteem is really actually reverse narcissism. Like that's mm -hmm. what it is. It's like, Oh, I think everybody's talking about me and everybody's hating on me because of course they're talking about me, you know, those stupid fucks. Cause I'm awesome. You know, it's like that, that's really what it is. You know, like I think that that's the true nature of a lot of it. Did you, do you have that like paranoia? Like people are talking about you and shit. I definitely know what you mean when you say it's like reverse narcissism to have low self-esteem. Like one bad thing could ruin my uh, self-confidence as a person. Yeah. What are you looking for? You look very oh, frazzled. No, no. I'm just okay, you're like like looking around. Like no, no. I'm okay, just, I'm sorry. sorry. See, like, I'm sorry. I'm like weird, man. Sorry, but I sorry, do, sorry, I do relate to that. Yeah. I think I do, yeah, that, that feeling of like people talking about you when they're not. But you yeah. think, I don't know. That's just, that might be something. Nice. Yeah. Did you ever, do you ever struggle with this? <laughs> that fucking noise right there, man. I get like, I, I, I'm, I got, I got kind of addicted to anger, you know, like mm. that rush you get when you get super fucking uh. mad and, ah, you know, and like, and that's one thing I've noticed about sobriety where like there's things that I used to think about 
like every day. And here's one that I'll talk about. Like, uh, so there was a time when I really liked this girl. I really pursued her hard. I watched fucking Vampire Diaries for this girl. You know what I've realized about Vampire Diaries season one? It's 24 episodes, each one hour long. That's a day of my life. I'm never going to get back. Fucking uh, never, never. It's not possible. But anyway, I liked her. I fucking watched Vampire Diaries for her. I, uh, I finally got her to come to a party with me. And then uh, she went out with this other guy. And after telling me that, like, oh, I'm just into somebody else, you know, like, obviously just like messing with me, you know, and I get it, by the way, like you've, you've been around me like what, 10, 20 minutes now, you, you get why she might not want to date the weirdo that walks with the limp, like I, I can see it now, but I used to just think about that a lot and get pissed, like, you know, that bit kind of became like a crutch of like, yeah, that fucking bitch and that fucking dude and I'm fucking awesome and I'm smarter and more interesting than that bitch, yeah, you know, and just like that kind of cycle, but when I became sober, like about three or four months in, it just really struck me how I never thought about it, you know, or just way less, you know, like, uh, yeah. And Sober for what drug was it that was making you have those thoughts? So just no, just well, just uh, the, the only weed things, or the booze. No, well, those are the only two things I've ever done. I've definitely been always been more of a pothead than a drinker. Because what about becoming sober would make you not hate women anymore? It's not well. It's not that. It's just like I'm thinking clearly. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm completely clear, and I'm really able to more focus on what's around me. You know, and I think like when my mind is fogged up. You know, that's when it's easier to kind of like latch onto those base kind of id emotions, mm. you know, like I, I just feel like it kind of taps into my higher consciousness when I'm like sober. And like um, the other thing is, is like I was raised by pretty strong Christians and, and I and I call myself a Christian. Like I go to church like it's like a, a ritual I do. I like it. You know, I, I want to convert you to Jesus. To, <laughs> yeah, I'm Me? Yeah, no, oh, I'm, I'm just, fine with Jesus. <laughs> yeah, no. But like seriously, though, and like uh I mean, I say fuck and like, I mean, and whatnot. And I, I don't know about like some of the stories in the Bible. I'm not an apologist. Maybe that didn't happen. Maybe some things are, I don't know. But like, I think one thing that I, I should hold true to is sobriety, you know? Um, and am I just rambling? Because I, I, I can keep talking for a little bit. Just thinking about where I should, what topic to dissect that you just talked about as many topics. Um, like, I, I guess we're still talking about sobriety a little bit. I think that's the main thing yeah. we're kind of still touching uh, on. Um, but I guess the point is, there's not a lot of Christian comedians, too. Yeah, and not a lot of that. I'm not a I'm not a Christian comedian. Like my right. my my comedy is not Christ I mean, friendly. Yeah. But I, I am a comedian who happens to be Christian and does dirty and comedy. Actually practices, yeah. But like, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, and that's just me as a person, as an individual. Yeah, like, you know, like yeah, I'm, I'm a Christian individual. Because here's the that's, thing, yeah, like the so-called wrong. clean comedy, and I think there's all kinds of funny comedy, but like. If you like think about the people that are in the Bible, they're all very strong personalities. You know what I'm saying? Like very assertive and very fucking like wired off, like off wired or whatever I'm trying to think of, you know, just like, ah, you know, like you think those people were afraid to say fuck, you know, like, like I don't, I don't understand it. I think people's like values are completely warped when it comes to that, you know? And I guess for me, like 
how I want to be Christian or how I want to incorporate my religion into comedy is just being positive ultimately. Like, you know, I don't want to be divisive, you know? I don't want to make anybody feel bad about themselves, okay. you know? Like, yeah. What about being Christian means you can't curse? I mean, I know you can't yeah. use the names, the Lord's name in vain, but where does it say you can't use profanity? Uh, yeah, it says coarse language, but I'm right there coarse with you, language. man. Like, okay. Yeah, and I, I understand not being able to curse in church that's fair sure. or like whatever but yeah as a comedian it's like I, I don't feel like my like my comedy necessarily contradicts my faith that's what i'm saying like i just saying fuck doesn't make me less of a christian <laughs> gotcha yeah. yeah cursing is pretty light on the list of sins i think yeah. and uh sure and if you're a comedian i think there's many other temptations to to that you got to resist yeah. besides uh profanity or even just anything you say on stage could be is is fine i think even if it's bad and even if it is divisive i would defend divisive yeah. comedy if it's funny so yeah it's funny, that's and so i want to ask you because like you know this is a comedy podcast a little bit um yeah we got uh, so i want to ask you like a lot of the about the nature of of comedy like so Jerry Seinfeld on Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee said something very interesting because like it was on the idea of like comedians being philosophers and he said a comedian's never changed my mind on an issue except on whether or not I think he's funny. Like that's the only like thing that a comedian's ever changed my mind on. And that's what I wanted to do. I want to be funny. <laughs> like I, I would rather entertain people than make them think. And, and I, I don't think I, I don't think that they're mutually exclusive or you know, like I think you can do both at the same time. But like people like Carlin, you know, Lenny Bruce, Bill Hicks, it's like that's not really my like I, again, people are like I'm not saying they're bad, but in terms of what I'm going for, like actual setup punchline jokes. Like Norm Norm McDonald, like he was a master at that. Like and like it whenever like comedians ask me for advice, that's kind of what I say. Like those throwaway jokes, that bump bum bump, you know, I feel like people should focus on that more. You know, yeah. I, I what, what are Throw your throwaway jokes? They should focus on like just more. Tra I guess traditional jokes, mm. like people call them Set throwaway jokes. Yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah. So you're, yeah. I, mm -hmm. I mean, you got to know where the punchlines are in your set. If it's a f final, like yeah, any comic needs to know what a punchline is and where they are and how many they have in each joke. Yeah. A bit to be a professional, or else they're just shooting in the dark. Stab, you know, to yeah. stab in the dark. So yeah, I agree with that. That basic thing that you gotta have a setup and punchline yeah. to be funny, and to be a comic. I, well, since I've moved to Austin, I, I feel like I've just noticed a lot of like opinion-based comedy kind of. You know what I'm saying? So like, where did you move from? I didn't get there. Oh, oh Missouri, you. man. Missouri. We, we so where in Missouri? The, Springfield. And that's uh, yeah. where? Where's that in this state? Uh, so it's in the Ozarks. It's like uh, nice. the, the southwest. So corner. pretty fucking rural. Uh yeah, yeah. Fuck I went to. Yeah. A, uh, I graduated high school from a town called Rogersville, Missouri. Awesome. Dude, I've been to the Ozarks. I stayed in a fucking on a farm in an Airbnb, just on a fucking farmhouse, and it's so fucking re like remote and beautiful. Yeah, that's the one thing about Austin, man. I don't think it's as pretty as where I'm from. That's for Probably sure. Probably not as the Ozarks. Yeah. Nah. I mean, hill country's okay. Yeah. Yeah. But the Ozarks are better. I yeah. yeah I, I I don't know. Like I. I, I, I think I'm starting to miss it. That's a part of it, too. Like, cause I, I've just been kind of down lately. It's not too far of a drive, right? It's like, what, 
eight hours, yeah. nine hours, something like that. Yeah, eight, nine Both. hours. It's pretty fucking far, I, man. <laughs> I know. I've just driven all the way to Chicago. So for me, they'd be like, oh, that's only halfway oh. to Chicago. That's nothing. Because oh. I've done Chicago in one day or one tr- one uh, stretch tr- stretch um. without sleeping. But anyway, yeah, so Missouri. So you're from the rural parts of the world, mm-hmm. the country that a lot of people don't like to talk about because they're afraid of uh trump support they're afraid of republicans they're afraid of abortion (laughs) missouri is in the news was in the news yesterday for for becoming anti for make for banning abortion automatically it's now illegal to get an abortion after a certain point yeah i mean um so missouri springfield so the town i went to high school in is like a small town. It's like 5,000 people. And then Springfield is a place that has like four or five small towns surrounding it, you know? Um, and uh, yeah, I'm from like one of those little small like town enclaves. But Springfield itself is a somewhat decent-sized city. It's the third biggest city in Missouri. It's like 150K people. You know, it's like a small city. So that's not... I wouldn't say Springfield itself is very rural. But it is a bubble. Like, And, and honestly, like I, I grew up with like a lot of racism. Like, you know, like, like, uh, um, like I remember one time, like this was after Obama got elected. I was a junior in high school. I'll never forget this. Um, we had this old substitute teacher. I'm not, I'm not actually, we called him by his first name. So maybe I won't get to it, but his name was, we called him Mr. Bill. I'm not going to say Bill who, but, uh, anyway, um, this was after Obama got elected. He's like this 70 year old white dude. Right. And he's like, and you could tell he was pissed about it. And he was like, Hey, Caleb, like lock the door. Right, and he tells a joke where he dropped the N word nine times, and he didn't say N word, like he actually said the word. And this is like in a high school classroom, and he's the substitute teacher, and like the reaction of like the kids, you know, like a lot of them like wanted to defend him because like racism was like a casually accepted thing, you know, and like I that's part of why I moved to Austin is to outgrow that. You know, like, uh, not, not, not that I'm like racist, but I'm from a town or a part of the country where it is kind of like that, you know, and I need to expand my horizons. Yeah. You know, a lot of people move from their hometowns for that reason. They don't, they're ashamed of their cultural upbringing. Yeah. And their parents and like their family members that the, uh, so they have to move to a liberal place. Like Chicago was like that, mm-hmm. where I'm from, the scene of Chicago, the comedy scene was. Mostly people that moved there from other places, not country, other fucking shitty states, and they just complain. Their whole act, which you kind of touched on with the whole opinionated thing, people are opinionated. They just rattle. They just complained about Republicans and how they hate their dad. Mm-hmm. And they just are so liberate. They're so like left wing to the point where it was like very. Uh, scary like uh, not scary but like i mean i wasn't afraid of them yeah. at least they weren't gonna like shoot me or anything but like they're definitely not fun to be around like no like they're they're kind of like the contradictory left where it's like um like oh uh, 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 i'm uh i'm totally open to like discussion and everything like that unless you say something against people that i support or that i like then i'm fucking triggered you know yeah it's rare to meet one of them that would discuss anything and and no and there are people like that out there there's that element of the left out there but that's a part of my growth in like the last couple of years it's like political correctness 
It's like, I want to make everybody laugh. You know what I'm saying? Like, again, that kind of goes back to like what we were talking about a second ago. It's like, no, I'd rather be funny than like challenge people. And exactly. like, and it's like, and, and at what point, like, because people talk about comedy and free speech. Right. And like, I was just thinking about this driving over to Mueller. Um, like what, what is the, the line between it's like, okay, so someone can hinder a comedian's free speech by getting to lose sponsors. But if that's because a bunch of people went to Twitter and said that comedian sucks, like that offended me, aren't they exercising their free speech? And by the way, aren't advertisers, if they drop somebody, they're exercising their free speech too, right? It's like, it, it, it kind of seems like a little bit one-sided to say you should support comedians in their free speech, but really, if they suffer ramifications for something they said, and I'm not saying that this is what I think or I believe 100%, but I just think it's an interesting topic. Like, um, if they're suffering ramifications for something they said, like, isn't that like also a byproduct of someone else like exercising their free speech? You know, or freedom of association, freedom yeah. of just being a business person any sponsor any company yeah of course has the right to stop doing business or break a con you know end business with a client that is that they deem yeah that's just free freedom yeah of commerce of exactly whatever exactly. you call it free market like uh like you know um like when a, a certain comedian got in trouble for using the n-word on his podcast i don't know i don't know if i want to mention his name but uh okay can i uh, can joe I say rogan it? yeah joe rogan okay I, I don't know if you're trying to like but this is from, a yeah. who you could talk about it yeah like it's happened it happened <laughs> it's like i get like they paid him a hundred million dollars like i get where they're coming from like he agreed to the terms and conditions of the deal they paid him a shitload of money and it's not like I don't think they maybe should have done a little bit more research and like if they really had a problem with that, maybe they shouldn't have done the deal. I kind of get that side of it, but I also get where they're coming from. It's like, I don't know if I would want that on my fucking platform if it's just some white dude like dropping the N word because it's such a fun word to say and anybody can say it because no, I, I had a substitute teacher in high school that used that word for real. Like, you know, it's like, no, I think it's ignorant for white people to use that word. You know, even in the context that he was doing it, we like, could talk about that. Just that question, that that thing you just said, or white, you know, is it what ignorant for a white person to say that word? That's a topic in yeah. and of itself. That's yeah. a whole discussion. But then the topic of people dropping, people not wanting to sponsor a podcast based on what they said. Yeah, that's free. That's something that anyone. That's not really a, a controversial thing of course they could drop a if you're work if you're a comedian that doesn't exempt you from business consequences i agree but you don't think that that's a controversial point for a comedian to take which that you can't like that what is it? that the sponsor shouldn't stick by their comedian no matter what and but they shouldn't or they, they, should. Or they should they should stick yeah know? it would be controversial it'd be weird you know to, i wouldn't agree that you should that they should stick with a comedian for, yeah just because they're a comedian that means nothing or, yeah. what does that mean big like, whoop okay Something uh, sacred yeah. about it it, <laughs> it seems like we're on the same page yeah, but i, I feel like i feel like a lot of people would have like a real umbrage with that. Like, I bet when you post this, someone's going to be like, hey, man, fucking Rogan's going to be able to do whatever the fuck he wants and blah, 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 you know? No, and, I mean, like, the second he signed a contract with a corporation, there's going to be yeah. uh, little things that could happen. They could want to not do business. It's simple to me. And I thought he was kind of selling out by taking the Spotify deal. A hundred. I was. I said that, like, well, he's kind of losing uh, – 
favor with his audience, his core audience, is not going to want to go to this platform that's going to censor him and make him be a pussy about his opinions. Not that he's really been doing that. Yeah. He hasn't really censored himself. But they've been taking down episodes of past guests, and he hasn't been having as good of... I think the content quality has gone down, and I think his relevancy yeah. has gone down. Absolutely. And the Spotify deal was the start of that. Absolutely. No, because it's only like available on a specific platform. Yeah. And it's not a platform that everybody uses just, automatically like YouTube. The podcast YouTube. just doesn't have as much hype as it did when it was on YouTube. Yeah. When, it was, when those episodes just drop on YouTube or get millions of views. I don't think... It just doesn't have as much cachet as it did back in the, a couple of years it's, ago. It's kind of like what happened... I don't know. Do you know who Howard Stern is? Who? Howard Stern. The, oh, yeah. Howard yeah. Stern, yes. Um, yeah, no. Like, when he went to Sirius, same it's deal. the same, same thing. Like, Pretty yeah, much. Like, he made a shitload of money. <laughs> Pretty but, much. But he was still good for a little while on Sirius. Like, up until Artie Lang left in the, so like, 2010, that's when it got downhill. Yeah, yeah. And now he's, like, a super lefty, boring, like, main... He's just... Interview celebrities and you know panders to his get not interesting anymore. And uh, yeah, and I, I I like like I think he's a great interviewer. You know, he is. There, there's a lot of sh- like interviews clips that I can still watch and stuff. No, and he you're is absolutely yeah. right. And it, it's really interesting because like what happened to him is something I'm kind of afraid of for myself. Where he was somebody who uh, was really unpopular in high school, you know, and kind of a loser and didn't fit in, and now he's trying to fit in with that crowd. You know, he's trying yeah. to be cool. That's what it is. Like, you know, and have you heard of Artie Lang's analysis of him? Like, like I don't know. Like, like a really, recent one? No, it was like, it's like, the one that I'm thinking of is like a few years old. I'm sure I have. Like, uh, I've consumed pretty much everything they've put out about each other. Yeah, um, it's the one where like Artie's on Opie's radio show, Opie, Opie, yeah, yeah. without Anthony okay. talking about him. And then there's another one where Artie's talking about him with Jackie. Jackie, okay. yeah, yeah Jackie Marling, yeah. Um, uh, um, by the way, Howard Stern, though, I just want to say, if, if there's anybody who I want to be in my head, Howard Stern's definitely a part of it. Like, like I used to put out, like, YouTube live streams and shit, and, like, a lot of people would say, oh, yeah, I hear Howard Stern. Like, yeah, dude. I mean, I, I definitely love that guy. I mean, I he was so great, great when he's, when, yeah. in the 90s, when he was famous, when people, when he had that, when he was most popular. There's a reason. That's why people talk about how they're so upset that he kind of became less edgy over time is because they were fans of him yeah like most people who like were influenced by him many comedians were on that show and that was like a great way to get exposure as a comedian now it means nothing i don't think to go yeah i would i would still love to be there but oh yeah i'm sure it means something still yeah. But not like it did back in the two thousand early two thousands. That's when it was the best for me. When Artie Lang was on there doing heroin, yeah, and they would have all like, this drama happen. He was so good at like milking drama and Sal Governale. Yeah, dude, that guy, that <sighs> Sal guy's nuts, man, dude. That Sal that's the best radio ever, yeah. though. Yeah, have you seen the one where he hypnotizes Sal and Richard? Yeah, that's the best. I've, yeah, I've uh, seen everything from the two thousands with Sal because yeah. it was. Everything in the, you could rewatch it. It's it's the most has so good rewatch value. My favorite uh, interview of all time. Have you seen the Henry Hill one? Yeah, so good. Yeah, that was a good one. So good because like he's the subject of that movie like Goodfellas, and right. it makes it seem he badass. Was crazy, yeah. But just that how, interview. 
how broken he is. He was, yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if like the listeners under, like I'll, I'll give some context to the listeners out there. What's up listeners. So Henry Hill was the, uh, the focus of the movie. Goodfellas came out in 1990, directed by Martin Scorsese, cinema classic. Um, and he was the real person and he came into the Howard Stern show, just blackout drunk, you know? And that part where he talks about like how he like killed those people, you know? And like, and is you, and you can just tell it's like, you know, there's no happiness, you know, like, I'm just like, I'm a void of a human being. It's like, holy, that was so powerful. So powerful. Like, it's like, I get goosebumps, like, thinking about it, you know? Uh, yeah. I yeah, I was just thinking it. about that, actually, yeah. Because I saw a Ray, Ray Liotta interviewed on something before, by Larry King or whatever. Anyway, yeah, interviewer, interviewing is a skill. But anyway, we got a lot to cover still. Oh, sorry. So I do want to actually ask you some sp- things that didn't just come up organically. You know, because we this podcast is comedy, stand up related. It's about stand up. It's about the struggle of being a comedian. And uh, one of the things that that we've both done recently is appear on a, another podcast called Kill Tony. What's up? And that's a pretty big podcast. It's one of the more popular comedy podcasts. Yeah. And so we both did it for the first time this past few months. You did it about a month ago. Uh, three weeks, I think. Three weeks, a month ago, something okay. like that. Um, so I saw the episode, and I saw your appearance. You did very well. Yeah. And a few things happened. Like, first of all, like, I don't know. You could say whatever. But he was like, he give you, he gave you a lot of good compliments. Yeah. And, you know, it was like one of those experiences where, like, adrenaline was, like, a big part of it, you know? And I didn't really remember it. That's right. Like... We talked like, about yeah, that, actually. Mm-hmm, until, like, until I watched the video, it's like, oh, yeah, like, when he said, like, you're the best bucket pole I've ever had. Like, obviously, that's horse shit. But... But nice thing to say. It's like, oh man, he said that, you know, and like the fact that I got the secret show on my first appearance, you know, like it was very affirming, a very big deal. Um, Like you talked about in another episode that I watched, just like how humiliation is kind of a part of it. Of Kiltani? Of, yeah. And like how you don't want to be. Yeah, taking the roasts. And I think like. Part of the reason I've been so depressed since Kill Tony, and this is like the heavy stuff that I want to talk about because like when that video got released, it just didn't feel like it should. So let's talk about, so let's break it down. So you first, let's go through the whole arc. So first you wanted to just do Kill Tony. First you wanted to, first you had to sign up for it multiple times. How many times did you have Uh, to? That was my second time. Okay. That's not bad. I remember seeing you a week before or something two weeks before you got up something like that you were in line and you were saying that you were like anxious that you had this feeling of like uh i I forget how you put it but basically what you how you just described it how you had like this anxiety or like uh what is the word for yeah adrenaline yeah adrenaline fight or flight and so anyway so break talk about the talk about the experience itself of hearing your name called and going up there so, um, Kill Tony, for, for people who don't know, it's more or less like a very uncomfortable experience. Like if you're a comedian, like they, they make you stand in the back and, uh, you got, you got to put your phone away, you know, and you're standing like, like inches away from like 50 other people. That's a little bit of an exaggeration. It's hot as fuck. And like, you have to stay standing for the most part. And it. 
gets really old, you know, and I bring that up, like, to where I just want to get the fuck out of here, like, I'm tired, like, that kind of anger, like, that I had, or that kind of, like, indignation, maybe is a better word, like, I feel like that really helped, because, like, it's like, I don't owe these motherfuckers anything for them making me do this, you know, and, like, uh, and that specific night, like, it was, I think, two people had already gone up, two or three, and uh, he said, oh, this sounds like a fake name. And it's like, dude, that's not fucking me. Like, you know what I'm saying? Jack Horner. And I was like, fuck. And, you know, and I just ran up there. And one of my biggest, like, strengths as a comedian is energy. Like, you know, and but specifically, though, like when I'm nervous, I get energetic, you know, like I like to think of myself as like if there's like a plane going down, you know what I'm saying? Like the one guy that gets like, oh, my God, oh, my God, ah, and starts crying like a bitch. Like, that's probably me. But as like a comedian, though, like it's a really big like uh, asset and uh, it just like kicked in, you know, and like. I went up there and I did like my bet, like one of my better jokes, you know, that, like one of the jokes that I'm really proud of. And then the interview went really well, you know. Um, the one thing I really regret about the interview is um, like he said, you work for a phone company. I assume it's not Sprint. And I wish I, I wish I would have been like, uh, no, actually, it's Tia Mobile. <laughs> Tia Mobile. Missed opportunity there. That's one of my bigger regrets, you know. Um, I think I'm retarded because I don't get it. T-Mobile? Yeah, I don't get the joke. T oh, so, so, like I said, I told my work for a phone company. Yeah, I got and that. And then I said, oh, I guess it's not Sprint because I can't Sprint. I I'm remember crippled. that. And the then T-Mobile. So T-Mobile is a phone company. Yeah. T-M-Mobile because I can't move. Ah. But yeah, I don't know if that, because I, I don't know if the fact that I needed that explained to me. <laughs> No, Either no. I'm really dumb, or that just isn't obvious enough of a punchline. I don't know. Maybe I'm just dumb. But <laughs> yeah, I well, know what you mean, no, though. Like uh, the feeling of oh, I should have said yeah. this. Well, no, you actually just made me feel way better about. Yeah, the fact who that knows? I didn't you never know it. if yeah. it's going to work in the moment, especially uh -huh. on Kill Tony. But you were doing great, though. With, yeah. You got so many laughs during the interview with your own mm -hmm. with jokes. Yeah. So how did you feel? So I I thought you did really good. How'd you feel after you got off stage? Did you, have the, did you have like a good afterglow? Elated, yeah. Because I got the yeah. yeah, like I got the secret show, you know, and it hit me that like I just did something that people are gonna see, you know. And every time I've ever posted something online, like I got something that was like five hundred hits once, and it was like, oh my gosh, yeah, you know, like, and it was like, no, but people are gonna fucking see this, like, and it was just it felt so good, mm -hmm. and like, and, and it just like really like affirmed to me that I can I, I can do this you know like I'm not saying that I'm great at it yet but I can do it you know and it, it felt so good and the fact that I got the secret show felt so good um, and the, the respect I got from other comedians felt really good too you know um, and then uh, the secret show um, also went really well uh, like just like 10 minutes Eight, um, eight, eight minutes, and uh, it was. I was the first to go up, oh. and I'm really thankful for that because I was a nervous fucking wreck. Like, yeah, just like, like, dude, like, like, kill Tony, like times ten, like, because I was like excited, and then like second by second, like the anxiety just started creeping up, and I wasn't like talking to anybody. How often do you do eight minutes? Like, are you do you have like a nice polished eight minute set? Or 
Um, so, so was because that could be a the, reason you're nervous because okay, you're not used to doing shows. Like, I'm I, I'm not somebody that prepares, you, you know. Okay. And I'm always because I don't prepare and I don't really think it through that much. And since I moved to Austin, I've gotten better at it, just like recording and just writing down my heavy hitters. But just in general. I don't do that. There, that's one. Also, I remember you saying you only were at, you only had done stand up a hundred times. It's and in reality, before I'd started that list, I'd probably done it like maybe thirty more times sure. before that. And even so, that explains. Okay, yeah, I'd be I'd be pretty nervous yeah. for an eight minute op- for opening mm-hmm. that show for sure. And um, the the other thing was. Uh, so I have, I've done like a, a, like a fairly decent amount of shows, especially for someone who's mm-hmm. as new into it as I am. Like, um, uh, like, and the one thing I've noticed and other comedians have brought this up to me, like there's a difference, there's a real difference between open mics and shows because open mics are 80% other comedians and you can do the LaQuisha joke or and things like that and it gets a laugh because they're kind of more out there you know but shows where it's the average person they're like what the fuck is this you know and like whenever i do a show it's always just a little bit awkward you know it's just obvious that i'm kind of a nascent comedian you know and and i just thought like it's gonna be a what the fuck is this in front of brian redband and hundreds of people and it's like this is like like you know go big or go home, you know? And I went up there and, uh, it was, I did the LaQuisha joke and then, um, I, I added like a tag onto it where, uh, so the joke is, um, you don't uh, have to do yeah, it. but anyway, like but it was good. Yeah. But no, it's good. Sorry. Uh, and, uh, but I added this tag and the tag got a bigger laugh and I just relaxed and it's like, wow. So like, you opened on that. Or, yeah. That's a great, that's great. So yeah. That, that loosened you up. And they just had mm-hmm. fun for the rest of the set. Yeah, it's awesome. uh, and it's just like, and it was just like, dude, like this might not be the best set ever, but you're not going to bomb. You know, like that's what it was. It once was you like, hit that first laugh, yes, once you got that first, it's like okay, yeah. like you can talk on stage for eight minutes, like you can do this, you're fine. Uh-huh. You know, and the other thing was there's a timer. Like I, I don't mm-hmm. know if I'm like supposed I love to that reveal. room. I love yeah. doing that room mm-hmm. for for those reasons that you just mentioned. Yeah, or the one reason you just mentioned. There's a timer. Yeah. And it's a great fucking room. It's my, it's the better, yeah, it's the best stage to be on. But, you know, like after that though, I've just been really depressed. So yeah, let's go, let's get there. So Secret Show went great. Yeah. Did you get any feedback from Red Band? Um, like he just asked how it went. He didn't, um, he asked you how it went. Well, yeah, because you just Hey, how'd you do? And you just say whatever you want. Yeah, well, no. Oh, dude, I crushed. But I I did, though. Like, I mean, I I feel like I did. It was like, it was just So what'd you tell him? Like, no, I was like, it was really well, and I was like, the crowd's really nice, is what I said. Yeah. Um, And and it was just like, you know, like, I was so proud of myself. It's like, yeah, like, again, like, holy, like, that's a landmark. Did you take advantage of the fact that you were a comedian? Did you, like, wander around? Did you hang out in the green room? Yeah. Fuck yeah. Yeah, no. Because that's part of the reward for me, it was, when I got booked for for that show. I was like, I just felt so reward. I felt like I got what I was working for. I'll, like I'm a comic at least tonight, even though it's just a guest spot or whatever the fuck, I'm able to go in there without having to check my phone and whatever. That was part of the experience for me. Yeah, like one one of the thoughts that I had, and I'd be curious to see if you had like a similar thought. Like you know, Mitzi Shore, like how 
you, you know the lady who ran the comedy store? How she would like just note instantly that like who's a comedian and who's not, and just talk, yeah. like like. I felt like I was one of those people that she would have passed at the store, you know? Like, I'm here because they can see yeah, exactly. that I have yeah. the ability to do this. Even though I haven't mastered it yet, like, I'm on the right path. Right, you, know? you got positive feedback. You were instantaneously, yeah. like, you're the, you're supposed to be on this show. Kill Tony. Like, yeah. Like, you were, they're, you're what they're looking for. And, like, yeah, so to yeah. get that... yeah. That pra- that high that bump of adre- mm-hmm. that bump of uh, praise and encouragement that yeah. could really make you funny too. That could give you make you better I- immediately just by you getting valid. Me for me when Tony gave me positive feedback the next day, I was in. Uh, I was just like much better at. Con- I just was yeah. more confident and I just did way better than I would have. Without just that ex- that validation, See, yeah, and th- that's where we differ because after that, I think I did like I've done way many less mics, and the thing is, is like I just don't feel good about myself. So you let's know? get there. So what? So when did? So g- explain. So like, I'll I'll, I'll like uh, I'll just mention like some of that like so for instance like like when I was in college, uh, I got super drunk at a Super Bowl party. And then I challenged a guy to a fight, and then we didn't really, really fight, but they like took a video of it, and, and it went around the whole school, and, and like obviously, but I have like a lot of humiliating stories like that, you okay. know, of being like a loser and an outcast, and like, and it's like if you've already convinced yourself of that, when something happens that's the opposite of that, it's like. You want to be like, oh, don't they see, though, like, who I really am? Like, what a loser I really am, you know? And it just, like, it just doesn't feel right. And it's like, and it's just, it's weird and, I guess, scary, for lack of a better term, that, like, that my natural reaction is just negative, you know? And I think part of it's the heat, part of it's the fact that I'm in a new city, like, you know... But yeah, like, but you kind of like grow up a loser and I, maybe you've experienced this a little bit too. Like you kind of like, it's hard to like, like shrug that off, you know, and I need to do something about it and I need to talk about it more, you know, like, because I mean, I, I, I'm a very positive person. I'm a very happy person. Like when people ask me how I'm doing, I say, I'm always doing good. I got that from my grandpa. He said, every day is a good day. And I like that. I do that. You know, I, I kind of view it as like a form of masculinity to not burden people with my bullshit. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to drag you down. I'm not, I'm not going to like infect you negatively with something that's going on with my life. I'm, I'm going to make sure that I can do whatever I can to make you feel good about yourself and, or feel a little bit better about your day. And those are all good qualities, but like, I'm really struggling with a sadness and like, I have a problem. Something's wrong, you know? And I, I have like, a hard time just being really transparent with that because just like the way that I walk and like, you know, my, my stature, people think I'm kind of a pussy, you know? And like, it's just like, I might be like physically, but you know what? I'm, I'm emotionally, like I'm tough, you know? And it, and it just like, it's hard for me to like open up about that. And yeah, like I, I just want people to like, Know that, like, if you kind of go through, like, a similar thing where you have, like, imposter syndrome or whatever it's ho- called, um, you know, you're not alone in that, you know, like, 
And again, it's just that, like, just combination of like low self esteem and like getting rid of those old ideas about yourself. And, um, like, also just again being in a new city where it's fucking hot out. Like, I think the heat doesn't help things, you know? Like, it's just like, yeah. And, and man, like, I'm, I'm so glad to be doing this, by the way, like, just to talk about this with somebody else is good, you know? So I, I appreciate this. I just want to say that. Yeah, I don't ask a lot of people on this one, and I could tell that you were you would be a good. I I just wanted you for a reason, you know, yeah. not just because of Kill Tony. Yeah. But before that, but that's what made me actually uh-huh. like ask you to seriously to do it because like okay now we have something really to talk about, and I just like yeah he'd be good, and everything you just said and laid out. I don't have much to say other than that I could I relate to that a lot. Like I don't have much to add to it. Because I also am going through a very similar struggle. I've been I've been doing comedy for going on ten years, and I I still definitely have imposter syndrome. Uh, I have low self esteem. I have depression, uh, low motivation, and I just don't like most people. Yeah. <laughs> so well, if, I I love people, you know, and I think that. Like, again, that's part of what my problem is, is, like, I love people. I want to be a positive person, you know? I want, like, other people to feel good. But when you're that guy, you just can't, like, express, like, anything, like, you know? Like, I feel like I'm burdening you right now. There's that instinct. Like, I'm going to have that moment on the drive home where it's like, oh, yeah, I whine too much to that guy. Like, you know, even though I know it's true, I know this is what you want on some level, there's going to be like another part of your brain, my brain, where it's like, you're a burden, you're just bitching and whining, and oh, man, like, let's cry for John. Oh, yeah, that is what this is for. Do you have a a problem with, like, like, uh, this is the wrong word. But contextualizing your struggles or comparing it with somebody else to make them seem invalid, to you make know, them seem invalid, like to make your no, to make your like struggles seem invalid. Because like for me, it's like oh man, like oh you know, no self esteem. It's like there's people over in like India that don't have fucking yeah, food. Yeah, I do. I do. You that. know, and it's like what what am I really complaining about? You know, like sure. there's people that had their fucking dad like burn cigarettes out on their arms and shit. And it's like, what yeah. am I complaining about? You know, like they're like it. Yeah, man. Like I, I again, like just a lot of negative things that happened to me when I was younger, just kind of like reside in my head. You know, like, uh, like I'll, I'll tell a story. Um, like one time, like, and this is, I'm, I'm just not realizing this. Like I, I I've never actually kind of connected this experience. I'm about to talk about with like what I'm struggling with, but they're very connected so this was back in Missouri, um, where I did a mic and it went pretty well. And, uh, you know, um, like I was talking with a few other comedians about it and, uh, like one guy said, you know, I, I don't understand why you don't do this more, you know? And the other comedian was like, yeah, John, you crushed. And I was like, you know, everybody crushes, you know, like sometimes. And he just kind of like looked at me and he's like, like, no, like not everybody crushes. Like, you know, like. Like, and it's just like, I couldn't accept that. Like, I honestly, like, I almost wanted to like start crying. <laughs> like, you know, like, because it's just like, I can't, I can't take a compliment like mm. that, you know? And again, I'm, I'm, I mean, because of what we're doing right now, I'm probably making it seem a lot worse than it is. Like, I don't know. Cause again, it's not like, Oh my God, I'm so sad all the time. And like, again, I, I don't want to make it seem like that, but since kill Tony, 
it is like there, you know, like, and yeah, and I just want to be lifted from that burden, you know? So what do you mean since Kill Tony you have this burden? What well, just depression or the sadness. So, so the Kill Tony thing, there's like this come down that happens yeah. where you got this attention and whatever, like this pop, but then all of a sudden it just goes right back to normal. It's like, no, I'm just still where I'm at. I'm still an open micer. Yeah, you realize that nope, that wasn't the end. Go- that wasn't really the thing that makes you a comedian. That's just one little thing, one yeah. little blip. Yeah, um, and, and that it's happened like, to me, kind of. I yeah. kind of, I had a similar like, oh, that's now you just have to go back to shitty open mics. I don't yeah. know. Well, no, like I like not quite because I enjoy going yeah, to shitty open it's mics. It's a, it's a lot. Like I think it's a lot of. I don't fun, mind going to shitty open mics, but it, it, it's more like, like I don't know. Like I just I don't deserve this again. Oh, like I'm, oh, okay. I'm gonna go back to like imposter syndrome. Oh, I see. That's what it is. It's like, mm. like, don't you see, like, what a fucking faggot I am? Like, like you know what I'm uh, saying? Like, shit like that. Like, don't you, don't you see that? Like, my jokes suck. Like, you know, like, <laughs> like anytime, like, someone comments, I want to like, deconstruct I, the joke and point out how it sucks. I think yeah. that's actually, I mean, that's good because you'll get, that means you're, you're going to keep writing mm-hmm. better jokes. Yeah, it's yeah. obviously better to have that than to think you're good. Do, does it? You're not. There's so many people that are think they're good who are really bad. No, and you, okay, so I'll, I'll I'll take it a step further. Anybody at this level isn't really good at comedy. Okay, like uh, let me finish because you might not agree with hundred percent. Isn't really good at comedy, and when like open micer comics talk shit on other open micer comics, even if. They're relatively maybe a little bit better, a little bit more thought out. It's like, dude, you're not at a level yet to where you think you can just shit on someone like you're shitting on them, you know? Like, and that really bothers me. Like, you know, it's like, yeah, some people maybe really struggle with it or some people are weird, but I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to like point that out. I'm not going to give energy to that. Like, I'm going to try to be encouraging, you know, I'm going to try to keep that to myself. For sure. That's you know? definitely the right yeah. thing to do. The professional yeah. thing. That's like... Yeah, yeah, it's bad to talk shit about other open micers, especially mm-hmm. if you are an open. But it's not ever good to talk shit if you're mm-hmm. above them. It's even worse. But like, yeah. but if that's what we do, like we ha- we talk shit, like we get jealous, like we we love to point out when a lineup has comics on it that we think suck. It's like, oh, that's a horrible. I do it all the fucking time. Yeah. I look at lineups. I go, well, that's a bad. I would not want to sit through that lineup, let alone pay to see it. I just love. I mean, it's just so natural to be toxic like that even though, but they're to, it's so because it rubs off on you other people do it yeah. but yeah it doesn't help you yeah to talk no, shit it, it, yeah it's not helpful and it, i mean it, it's a universal human trait like we all gossip we all do it and, and there are like certain comedians like i think tim warner's a good example of this where he's been doing it 20 years you know and i think he should be fucking famous you know like, the fact that he's, like, at some of these mics and shit, like, I get why he might talk shit. Like, you know, like, someone on that level is just, like, someone on our level, though, it's like, what the fuck, you know? I get why anyone would talk yeah. shit. Yeah, I get why yeah. I would talk. I'm 10 years in, and I could be, I, I definitely have my own reasoning for being annoyed, but I'm, and I, can't, I can't blame external, I can't blame the system. 
Yeah. I just know it rationally that it doesn't look good. It's not true. Yeah. If you're not getting anywhere, it's probably because you aren't doing the right thing. It's because you're not funny enough. Yeah. Like It's always you that's the problem. I th- There's always exceptions to every rule. Like, but if you're, yeah, there's fucking a reason. If you haven't figured out a way to get anywhere out of the open mic level in 10 years, yeah, it's on me. Yeah. It's on me to make that change. Um, do you feel that way about yourself? Like, do you, do you feel like you've been floundering a little bit because you've been doing this so long? Floundering? I don't know. Like, like, or, or like that you're kind of stuck or that you're not where you should be or. Sometimes I might feel like that I'm behind the, that I'm, yeah, where I'm, I should be a little bit further. Like I should at least be getting shows regularly, but I know, but I can't really get mad at anybody but myself for not, uh, having the health the mental health that like i just i just don't have that ability to put myself out there so i don't really yeah I, blame anybody or even my i don't i'm not mad at myself even because i just know my limits as a person yeah. as a human being i don't like to market myself yeah i don't want to market myself either but like, am i funny enough to be a professional by now yes at least a feature yeah, not a I, headliner. I feel like that for you too. I'm like, funny enough to be a feature. Obviously, I know that. Like that's not something I even need. Oh, that's still to something. Like, man. I already know that. The only thing stopping me is my own problems, which yeah. I talk about all the time on this podcast. No, and it's it's and it's that's that's the fuck of it, man. It's like uh, what's the myth of the guy rolling the boulder up the hill and it just keeps going and going and going. Like, I don't know if that actually this applies to what I'm about to say. Oh, I just wanted to sound smart and literate. But, uh, but no, it's like, it's, it's weird to realize that, like, your own, your worst enemy is yourself, you know? And, and I think, like, uh, like, what's going to make me feel that way in 10 years, or maybe even worse, where I just, I haven't done it, is giving into that emotion and choosing those emotions to, stop me from doing comedy like i just had like the amount i of open mics i've done since kill tony isn't high enough like you know what i'm saying like i just i quit like going to them and there's no reason for that you know other than i don't feel good about myself so i'm just gonna let this die down you know that's fair yeah i think it's fine if you don't yeah if you need to hide out for a while until you feel like you have something new to say or like you just have to go through a little bit i go through that all the time right take breaks Mm -hmm. like i didn't go out all week this past week i just wasn't feeling it i didn't want to get out of the house even just leaving the house takes uh strength yeah for me just you know, dealing with park or traffic and parking do i really want to go through all that shit just for a mic that i'm probably not going to do well at because my attitude is dog shit Mm. so i i have to i let it rest i let my whatever myself i need to take breaks i'm I'm not i'm a very introverted person me too like i'm i'm crazy well i'm crazy introverted i'm i I like being by myself you know i like places like libraries where things are quiet you know um uh like yeah parties kind of stress me out and like yeah the whole thing with like the mics and like not doing it it's like yeah people need to rest and take a break but for me it was just more connected to i think the low self-esteem and also the fact that i moved eight hours to do this 
And anybody who's gotten good at it has had a period of like maybe five, ten years where they did it as much as possible. That's what I hear a lot. Anyway, and I, I actually want to ask you about that because I was uh, I was um, listening to an interview with Vince Flynn. Do you know who Vince Flynn is? It was either Vince Flynn or David Baldacci, but like he was he was a really famous crime writer, um, and he has like a lot of those books that are like in airports and shit. And he was being interviewed and he's like, you know, people who say right every day, like if you do that, it's not going to be fun anymore. And if it stops being fun, you're going to stop doing it altogether, you know? And he was just like the first person I'd ever heard say, don't write every day, you know? So it's like, did you, is that maybe more your approach of like, don't do stand up every day. And, like, and, and I I, I like to do it pretty much every day, but sometimes I just, I'm not, I have other things that I yeah. have to do that take me out of the creative minds and the performance mindset. Like I'm at my favorite thing to do is perform yeah. stand up, but day to day sometimes I have to take care of like business stuff that puts me into this totally other mood it's like no i'm not in a performing i want to be hidden away from everybody so yeah i for me i it's physically impossible for me to do that for me to perform every single day yeah but most days i would like to yeah and when i'm doing it i want to keep doing it like tonight i did the open mic and i wanted to do another one that immediately woke up this part of me that was sleeping for a little bit it's like now i gotta fucking do it again yeah so i get addicted to it very quickly i want to keep going and for me like that's what i love about austin is just the opportunity to do that because i'm from springfield missouri where there's one club maybe two a week that you can do and it's like i can just do this again like and i feel so lucky you know to be here and so happy to be here for that reason um i i want to ask you uh who who are your like comedic influences and also i want to ask you that and then i also want to ask you was there a moment where you knew you like you wanted to be a comedian or thought you could be do comedy before you started doing it so i don't know who my influences are i don't really think i have any influences except maybe subconsciously yeah like i'm sure i i definitely channel people like when i deliver when i sound like an italian guy or whatever i definitely copy subconsciously other comedians but not by choice i don't think i'm influenced i don't really i don't know who who my influences are i just know that i've always been funny my whole life who are your favorites my favorites are bill hicks carlin louis uh patrice all the good ones all the ones that anyone likes elephant in the room nothing's fancy elephant in the room's amazing oh yeah yeah oh my god like, I purchased that one on YouTube. I watch it over and over again. He's like, no, genius. Absolute mm-hmm. genius. You know, that Natalie Holloway bit he has is incredible. Um, uh, and then Hicks, obviously, we, I just talked about Bill Hicks a little bit earlier. Um, not, I, I was a big fan of his when I was like 19, 20, like when I was a kid. And I've just personally like, again, I'm not saying he's bad. It's just not my thing, not what I'm going for, you know? Because it's like, I just, yeah, that kind of irks me. It was like people who like clear the room, you know? Especially because I've talked to club owners and shit. Like, and people that like try to like have a place that has Maybe comedy. he is an influence now that you mentioned that. Because yeah. he actually, he does set a standard. He sets like this, if you're going to be an artist, you gotta, you might as well put your whole effort into it don't half-ass it 
because then you'll just be a hack and yeah so yeah he is an influence actually but i'm not using that yeah i'm not like taking that i'm not reminded i forget that you're supposed to try hard and like be the best yeah and it's just like that approach that i feel is like i'm smarter than the audience kind of you know um like that kind of shit like and it's like my opinions are more important than making you laugh. I, that, that, that's just my, like, again, I, I, I understand that has a place in comedy. I understand, like, the people like Lenny Bruce and Bill Hicks have their place. And I'm not saying it's bad, but that's just, like, the opposite of what I'm going for. Um, I kind of brought up influences because I realized something recently, and this was actually right before Kill Tony, because um, we're talking about influences. And my two biggest influences are probably Sam Kinison and... Uh, Mitch Hedberg, you know, like those are the two comedians I've listened to the most. And I, subconsciously, they've had an impact on me where like my jokes are like Mitch Hedberg, but my delivery is like Sam Kinison. Yeah. You know, and it's like I don't think people have seen like those kind of jokes wrapped up in that kind of package. And yeah, and I, I just think it's very interesting to like like what your subconscious influences are and to have a diverse taste in comedy too, I think is also very important. Yeah. I don't, um, I don't consume a lot of stand up anymore. Like unless it's somebody I really like, like Louie is. Oh, pro- sincerely. Yeah. Like I don't, yeah. If it's somebody like that, I don't watch any stand up. Like people, like when somebody asks me to go to a comedy show just to watch, like, I like, that's not in my home. That's not in my city that I live in that I can't get into for free. I, I get like appalled that they think I'm still a fan of comedy enough to pay and drive hours to see them. Yeah. I don't, yeah. Like I'm not into it. I'm too into it to want to just sit and watch a perfect, even a professional. It's like, okay, I've seen everything. So like, like, I'm, it just I, feels long. Yeah, like <laughs> so I, I, I don't know. It's weird. It's a weird position to have if you're trying to do it. I but I'm feel not like trying uh, to do it that hard. Oh, like I feel like anytime I've seen a famous person, you know, hey, um, do do you feel like fame stops people from being good comedians? Because like what I've noticed. And I've told this to people and they're like, no, that's bullshit, John. But what I've noticed every time I've seen like a fairly famous person or a pretty famous person, um, like people that are in the audience are just kind of wrapped up in the energy of that person and just blown away by the fact that they get to see this person live, that the quality of their jokes doesn't matter, you know? Yeah, the, the, like, if, if they're just famous from other shit besides stand-up, yeah. then that wanes very quickly into the set. If they're, fam- if they're famous because of stand-up, like Burt Kreischer is famous because of podcasting, and his stand-up is very good. Like, it's stand-up. Not, it's, not that, it's, it's a lot of storytelling. Whatever it is, people love his persona and his, his personality that he could sell a joke that would normally most com- another comic would be like I can't make that do, funny. Do you like it's Bert just Kreischer? It's him. I do, yeah. Okay, well, a lot of people. I do. wouldn't pay to see him. Yeah, well, but, but he's I, good at po- he's a great podcast. You know, he's a really yeah, good podcaster, storyteller. He makes things entertaining. He, he seems like a nice enough guy. He's an entertaining dude. I, I mean, uh Tom Segura is a great stand. I like like Tom Segura. Tom Segura is one of my favorite stand-ups. I like Tom Segura, um, and I like Theo Vaughn on the podcast. Um, But I feel like podcasting has kind of ruined comedy at least a little bit just because people like – so this is a moment that annoyed me in like Christina P's last special where she was like – 
um, uh, Theo Vaughn. She says, I'm Theo Vaughn, you know? And everybody's like, woo! It's like they're already fans of your fucking podcast. It's like it doesn't matter if your fucking jokes are funny. They're going to laugh. And Bert, dude, Bert, oh, God. Okay, so can, can, I, can I tell you something? Bert has a bit about how he gets Anne Frank and Helen Keller confused. And I took that same concept, and I feel like I've written a way funnier joke than Bert that I've ever seen Bert do that's just a lot better. I've only done it on stage a few times, but it's just like I feel like I'm a better comedian than fucking Bert. Like, a lot of like, people do. Yeah, like I don't. And the fucking Sherlock thing, dude, he's not fat. He's not that fat. He's not that fat to make it as funny as it is. Like, okay, if Ralphie May went on stage shirtless and be like, holy fuck, look at that obese fuck with his tits out. Like like a shirt off. I'd get it. But it's like, oh, man, shirt off. Uh, so fat. Like, I don't know. I don't get the gag. Uh, other thing about Burt Kreischer, other thing about Burt Kreischer, that Adam Sandler interview he did. Fuck, dude. Fucking suck. Dude, what the fuck, man? Well, that was what why it was fuck? funny. That was the yes. value because it was awkward. And yes. Cringy, but, and that's why it was funny. Dude, he got the name of the movie wrong, and then he told some story about how, like, Adam Sandler ditched like the party or whatever to go smoke weed with some college chicks it's like you dickhead adam sandler's in his 50s right now he has teenage daughters and kids Mm -hmm. it's like don't tell that fucking story you dumb dumb yeah all the reasons you don't like him are the reasons people like him yeah i don't know yeah i get it though yeah but yeah a lot of being a comedian or whatever he's doing is just being a fun guy having a fun personality people like to get into and get into his life and like like it's not all about just writing jokes, obviously. I don't know if oh yeah, obviously that's, that's obvious the case to you. With him, yeah, like it's just writing something, thinking of something clever, doesn't mean shit for stand-up. It doesn't uh, really. No, mean... it means shit, but it doesn't mean everything. Uh, it's not the only thing that matters. Right, like it, part part yeah, of its energy doesn't for sure. mean nothing. Writing something funny doesn't mean it's not going to work, but it doesn't mean it's going to work. Yeah, like and again, this is all personal taste. But I just feel like I, I like comedy that's like maybe a little bit more thought out and structured. Person, sure, yeah, a lot, yeah. Um, I get, I most people probably do. Have Have we gone through everything that you want to talk about? No, but that's fine. We don't have to get to everything. Those oh. are just the topics. That oh I had no, well we're only two down. Just to get we into. Gotta... Oh yeah, no, we're f- doing great. We're doing fine. I mean, you're killing I'm, it. I'm the... curious about what you wanted to ask. I me did want to ask you about. We already covered Secret Show. We covered how you got this like depression after this post mortem, this po- whatever postpartum, postpartum depression, depression from Kill Tony. Uh, but then, and he have, and then, but you just started going out to mics again. Yeah. And then you also talked about like going like every night and like you got to go as much as possible and and uh, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I could, I definitely think that's there's some truth to that. Yeah, you gotta hit the, you gotta do it as often as you can to get better at it. Yeah, you're not gonna get better if you do it once a week, obviously, or two times a week. Yeah, like, um, well, yeah, slowly. Like, I, I think that there may be something to be said about if you do think a lot about like the jokes and shit that you want to do, and do it maybe twice a week. Like, you're going to get better, but maybe not as good as you're going to be. And that's like, that's why I've been so disappointed in myself since I moved to Austin, because on average, it's probably two, three, four times a week is when I do it, you know, and, and I work a job, you know, that's not all my fault. Like, um, and uh, the store closes kind of late. Um, uh, so, so it's like, I, I can miss have you ever done it every day, like three times a day. Um, I've done it like three times in one day for sure. 
but and I've done that a few days so in a row. Consecutive. Okay. Yeah. Just wondering not because like a whole, yeah. Because when I do it every day as much as possible, and I, I make it my life, I notice that I am way better, and that I and, I and then it takes a long time to get back to that level. If I don't, if I just do it twice a week, I there's no way. So. My problem is like when I do it too consistently. Like, do you do new material all the time, or uh, I do? Yeah, just that's just me. I I don't like doing material. I'm a improv guy. Yeah, most of the time. Oh, right on. I like to improv. I mean, I have bits, and I guess I would do material if I had shows to practice for. I would rehearse material, but I don't care. I'm not even trying to get on shows. Yeah, I'm such a weirdo. I'm like an. I just like show up to mics. I I tend to be better than a lot of. I don't know. I tend to be. I know what like I'm good enough. Well, you're ten years in to not like, be a fucking open micer, but I I still enjoy the challenge of like trying to make the best out of a mic, trying to yeah. have fun at a mic. And it's like I and we touched on this a second ago, but like the the dichotomy of like open mics versus shows it's like i know what you mean it's like you're probably above this level in comedy in terms of skill but open micers are more loose and free and you don't have to be like kind of tamed down i get what you're saying i i feel like i, I enjoy open mics yeah it's, I enjoy it definitely shows. is that it's lowers you have lower expectations so that's part of it maybe but shows, I guess, I, I mean, of course, I'd rather do shows all the time. If I could only do show, yeah, of course, I would rather do that. It's just getting on them. You kind of have to have, like, kind of have to have an act. You can't just wing it the whole time. And I don't like having an act. I don't like pulling out uh, bits that I've done before. Like, okay, here's one of my bits. I don't yeah. care about that. I like in the moment shit. I like riffing on the room. Yeah. I mean, for myself, I try to find a balance between those two. When people tell me what like they think I'm good at, they say I'm better at like the crowd interaction and coming up with shit off the top of my head. Uh, that's not what I shoot for. Um, a lot, like a lot of that's nerves. But I think I'm fairly good at it. I I, I want to be able to like write a joke. I guess I'm sort of shooting for the opposite because it's just a sign to oh, to myself that I'm disciplined. You know. It's like if that joke goes well, it's because I put 15 minutes on the timer, I got my notebook out, and I scribbled it down, and I structured how I wanted it done, you know? And that, like, that, like I'm, I'm proud of that. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. So it's like I feel like I'm better at what you're describing, but I'm shooting for... No, it's super satisfying yeah. to write a joke and like, expand it. Like, have, like, I mean, that is the process. You have to learn to do that to kind of do the job of a comedian you kind of have to have bits and develop them yeah. make them better and longer that's the job and i do get enjoyment out of that but if i have no shows that i'm booked for i'm not really that hungry to do that that's my last resort that's if i have to can i, can I say something because we're talking about being weird so i wear a hat because I have like a habit of head picking, you know. I probably I've done it a lot during this interview. I can tell, but what? And I wear a hat for that reason, so I don't do it. But what I end up doing is I just take the hat off and I keep playing with me, you know, because it helps me think. I scratch the top of my head. But anyway, that's what that was. I'm putting <laughs> the hat back on. Um, so um, I see comedy pet peeves right there. I'm, I can't wait to get into that. Um, uh, um, yeah, I don't know why I wrote that, but I. 
definitely have. I guess I was thinking of like things that piss me off about what other people joke about. Sure. For me and for other, just anything that bugs me, like hack material, hack topics, people telling me just, jo- you know, cheap, low level roasts. Roast jokes. What pisses you off? What's one of your comedy pet peeves? Yeah, like so. What you just mentioned is like when people try to be controversial or talk about something taboo, and the joke isn't good. Yeah. Like there's not like really a punchline. Like if there's like a joke about rape or molesting kid, like none of those things can't be hilarious. I feel like they can be, but dude, if you're like an open mic comedian, you've been doing this two months, you probably shouldn't talk about like raping a kid or something like that. That just like I just sure. it's not like it doesn't like make me mad, but it annoys me. Um the other thing that just annoys me and uh this might be kind of strange, is when people are too confrontational with audience members like for talking so so like when someone talks during your set my mentality is it's because you're not being entertaining enough that's a good one like if no no no, if someone's talking during your set it's because what you're doing on stage isn't fucking interesting like that's on you it's not on them be loud be aggressive be assertive and get fucking laughs don't be like you excuse me when you're coming here like i get so fucking mad like and honestly like just like rudeness in general bothers me like like there's a lot of times where like i get it you know like you know fucking with somebody like it's it can be funny but that's not really what i'm going for like you know that that does piss me off um uh, woman comedians make me mad. You know, I want to fuck most of them, but let's be honest, men are superior. No, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, like, no, that's not there nothing is, weird about that. There, there is like, I, I mean, obviously, like people do like to talk shit on female comedians. Um, and I'll say something about that. Like, I think that people misappropriate that a little bit in terms of like, oh, women aren't funny. I, I do maybe think that there's some truth to the fact that on the whole. Like, as a gender, women are probably less funny, but I feel like female comedians are a very rare breed. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, on the whole, I feel like in daily life, women are probably a little bit less funny, but I don't think that that's true for female comedians because there's usually something that motivated them to do that. And I also think that the truth is that beautiful people aren't funny. That's what it is. It's not that women are, are, aren't funny because they have vaginas. It's that they're naturally the fairer sex. You know, like they're beautiful. Like they don't need humor to procreate, you know? Yep. I think that that's a big part of it. And yeah, and like, like honestly, like one of my pet peeves is like really pretty people in comedy. Like that, oh my God. So, dude, there's this fucking guy back where I'm from, man. Like, ah, oh, dude. Like, when someone just throws, like, shade at you or, like, criticizes you or, and they're just not as good, or maybe they are as good, but that night they didn't do as well, oh, my God. Like, dude, this one thing I still fucking think about, like, um, I did this set at, like, uh, this place in Springfield. It went pretty well, and the guy that went up after me is... This person who done stand up a few years ago and really handsome, buff, good looking dude, fucks lots of chicks, that kind of guy. Kind of like an aggro type dude. Um, who hadn't done it for a long time. And every night he was one of these people came, came to the open mic that we did, didn't go up, like, and just judged everybody. And he would compliment me like quite a bit, but he would compliment me in a tone, in a fucking tone that made him, I know he felt 
like he was doing me a big favor by saying something nice about me. You know, and I know that that's like a jaded way to look at a compliment. Like, but it's like, hey, you did a good job. Like, I should give a fuck that he thinks that, you know? And like this one time, he was just like, like, we weren't even having a conversation. It's not like we were like this now. And we were like, it was, it was just real. You need to slow down. Like, you know? Like, you need to slow down. When he just objectively did so much fucking worse than I did that night. Yeah. Like, you know, and it's just like, fuck off, man. Like, how many times? You know what I wish I would have said to him? Like, like, uh, like, you telling me how to do comedy is like a retarded child on a Fisher Price telling Lance Armstrong how to ride a bike, motherfucker. Yeah, Boom. I've, I've gotten Super. that before, like condescending advice that's not even asked that you're not asking for and they just come up to you it's like they think they're giving you no it's just pure narcissistic it's passive aggressiveness well for sometimes it's aggressive sometimes it's real aggression just them actually being critical but Mm -hmm. also i don't even respect them as comics so i don't really see it so it just comes off as extra arrogant because i don't even i'm not even a fan of them i don't res- they've never made me yeah. laugh but they're telling me what to do and no and it's so it's like and i want to clarify something like if like you did that to me if like, you were like hey just slow down or something like that like see we we've talked enough we're friendly enough to where that's okay like you know what i'm saying it's like we're, on we're, stage you like, mean no no, no like, if like i gave like, you not, a note not on stage like just like off stage like after okay. like a- after the after the set if you were like hey man just slow down like you know what i'm saying just like right off the bat like it wouldn't annoy me if you said it because we've talked enough we're friendly slow enough. down on stage yeah this is so, or advice. just some any any advice oh, okay. just any fucking advice whatsoever where you just kind of like jump into it like there's that. a way like, to do that yeah even though that might not be the ideal way to do it, I wouldn't be that offended by it because I know you work hard. I at don't it. give people advice, but yeah. if I were to, I would ask, "Can I give you advice?" Mm-hmm. Like that's it. Yeah, yeah. It's no, not that exactly. hard. I hate when people. Yeah, that's the thing. I don't right. like because as a comic, I don't, I'm not really looking for outside yeah. advice. I already kind of have my own taste and feel for what I want, what I like. I'm very analytical of my own shit. Yeah, I don't really need advice. Like I do sometimes, maybe. If it's like something technical, but if it's just about my act, if it's about my jokes, yeah, definitely yeah. not looking for advice. And maybe tip, maybe like a note here and there. And but I, it's got to be constructive. And I like, I, I like if someone tells a joke I like, and I think of a tag, I like talking about that. Like, hey, you should say. It. Like, I know that's annoying. Usually, you know? I won't even want that. Yeah, even I know, a tag. I nah, I could do I, my own tags. I, I know, I know, but, but that's yeah. that's something that I'm guilty of. But whenever I've done that, it's in a friendly way. It's not like I'm like the way that I'm talking is like I'm the teacher and you're the fucking student. Sure. It's not like that. Tags um, are different. Yeah. Tags are usually fine. Mm-hmm. But if you're telling somebody to just not do something that you yeah. already do that works and it's already ingrained, like, yeah. dude, and that's it, unwelcome. And, and I it's think not constructive. There's, there's like a narcissism that we've talked about, but it's just like advice. Like I don't have the capability of processing it and being like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, maybe we should. It's like my, my I'll, I'll be like, okay, yeah, good advice. But in my head, I'll be like, fuck off, man. <laughs> like, you know. Yeah, I've started to become more uh, impenetrable to advice. Yeah. If somebody says anything I don't like, I kind of call them on it, and I go, yeah, I'm not going to. 
I disagree, but thank you. Like I'm not, I, I'm, I don't take it as if I took it for real. I go, yeah, I'm not looking for advice. Um, I, I've started becoming penetrable since my uh, stint in the penitentiary. You know, my butt cheeks are fucking steel. I can clench them together. Okay, that's what I was going for. Um, but yeah, no, exactly. Like I just, I don't, I don't take advice well. I think I'm the, one of the most talented motherfuckers that's ever lived. I think that I'm doing what's written for me in the stars. So listen, I don't, okay, I don't believe in astrology per se, but I like to go down internet rabbit holes and shit. And, uh, I looked at my Mayan star sign and you know what I am? I'm the crocodile. The crocodile is known for energy, you know, but it's like, fuck yeah. That's what I'm supposed to be doing, man. Hell yeah. And I just have that feeling. And, uh, I wanted to, I asked you earlier, I don't know if we ever got into it. Um, but like when you knew you wanted to be a comedian, Quite. Yes. Yeah. So that was 2012 is when I started, and I knew I wanted to be one as soon as I got on, did my first open mic. Yeah. Like, uh, that was, so for me it was um, different. So I was a communications major, and, um, like, when you're in that kind of major, like, they'll, you'll write a paper, and then um, sometimes they'll make you like read the paper in front of the class, right? And the first time that happened, like I just had no idea that I was having to read this paper. And I wrote a bunch of like little retarded jokes about like, it was about Super Bowl ads, like deconstructing them, you know? And they just got genuine laughs. Like these things that I was writing to get the paper done and maybe make the teacher chuckle. It's like, oh, this made it like our audience responded to it. That's when you decided you wanted to be a comedian from that? Uh, no, and I've, I've always like liked comedy, but that was like a, a dot connected in my head. It's like, okay, mm. I can just kind of make people laugh. Like, you know, I can do that. Okay, because I had that too as a kid. Yeah. I was always the class clown, yeah. but I didn't think I could be a comedian until somebody told me I could, until I did an open mic and somebody encouraged me to, that I could do it. Then I was like, oh, I could be a comedian. I didn't know. That just because I was funny that I could do it for real. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. Nobody told yeah. me until I yeah. And it's into... not, And it's not always just like being funny. It's very itself. niche. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess it's also wanting to do it. It's also being a performer. I'm sorry, I'm looking at your other topics. Um, yeah, you're um, very good at the, yeah. Homeschooled. Uh, I was homeschooled one year. So that's true. Yeah. No, I, I didn't. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, uh, yeah, I was homeschooled one year. Um, like my dad for a period lost his job and like, he could do it. Uh, and then he couldn't do it because he found a job. And then um, my grandma came down and homeschooled us. And that poor, poor woman, man, me and my sister. Were Just such, one year. Yeah. Yeah. We're such little assholes, me and my sister. And, uh, like about six weeks, um, before fourth grade ended, that, that's when I got enrolled in Rogersville. Yep. Uh, no, I, I have like a lot of good memories about being homeschooled though. Like, you know, like that time, there were times with my grandma where it was great. Um, there was times with my dad where it was great. You know, it was kind of bonding in certain ways. That was when nine eleven happened. You know, like it was that year, like I was 10 years old, you know, and that just for that reason alone. It's like that, that, that whole day is kind of different for me because everybody else was at school and I was like at my house. It was, it was very, I don't know. I just think that that's kind of interesting. 
Um, but no, it was honestly like, cause I was a special needs kid, like hardcore ADHD just doesn't do homework. I need people to like stay on me, you know? Um, and I, uh, uh, yeah, I think if you have that kind of kid, you shouldn't homeschool. Like I almost got held back like, mm-hmm. like cause yeah, I was just, I was behind, you know? Uh, thank God I didn't, you know, but yeah, I, I was pretty close, you know? And I wonder like often, like if I was held back. You know, like what that would have done to me. Like, you know what I'm saying? I feel like I would probably have a, like a lot more of that imposter syndrome for anything else that I did. Like, cause that's like a, that's like a label. Like, you know what I'm saying? If you get held back, it's like, oh, you're fucking stupid, you know? Um, so I don't recommend it. And anybody who I've met that's been homeschooled is kind of awkward, you know? Like, there's that element to it too. But I also get it, you know? Like, I, I think that, um, you know, there, there is something to be said about family and like a, a tight family unit and like being a part of your kid's education like that. Yeah. Were you ever on Adderall? Yeah. Did it help? Yeah. No, I'm, I'm on Adderall now. So it still helps. Yeah. yeah I, I, I heard if you actually have ADHD, then it helps. Yeah. Hardcore. Yeah. Like, yeah, no, like I really have it. Yeah. Um, I was diagnosed with that at eight. Mm. Um, and I was, I took it periodically. Like when I was a kid, my dad wasn't really a big fan of me being on it. Um, and I took it periodically. Um, and then when I was just younger, I, I would, I've always been the kind of guy that stares off into space, but I, I got into a really bad car accident. Um, uh, when I was a senior in high school, I wrapped my car around a pole and I, I had a concussion and three brain bleeds like hemorrhages, you know? And, um, after that is where, like, my ADD, where I was, like, you know, just kind of stirred off into space, kind of turned into ADHD. Like, you know, like, that's when, like, the movement started and, like, this oh, shit really? started, you know? Like, yeah, that's, like, that became more intense. And I also became, like, the the rocking that I talked about earlier. Like, that was after the accident. And I also, I think that became more creative, too. Like, I think that that did do something to my, like, brain to where, like, before the accident um like anytime i had like a story idea it's like dude that's the fucking worst idea i've ever heard like Mm. but now it's like it's real you know uh or or now it's like it's a good idea like yeah and that's because i'm i'm a little tired i'm sorry so Um, you now have belief in your ideas yeah okay but you still have the imposter syndrome yeah which is normal i mean that's fine to have it's yeah and i mean like i think i'm someone that was pretty lucky just in terms of i i and i also like i i, I want to talk about my grandpa a little bit because he was very influential i don't know if i'd be a comedian if it wasn't for him because i was a very shy kid and this is like also another moment where i think of like like a defining moment for me like i was watching shuffleboard with him once you know and uh like i i talked about how old everybody was i started joking around about it you know, and uh, I talked about how like uh, a player had to get sidelined because they broke their hip or something like that. Or, like, you know, like our dad had to get put on the bench or some shit and everybody laughed. And uh, no, that was just like a very definitive moment in my life. And I remember my grandpa chewed me out, like not chewed me out, like nicely. He was just like, you know, not everybody there was 85, you know, like and that and that kind of stayed with me like a little bit of like being like super confrontational or something like that. It's like, you know, not, not everybody there is this stereotype of what you're trying to put out. If that's what I'm, do you get what I'm saying? It's like, 
you know, just be mindful of people's feelings, I guess is what I'm saying. No, but my grandpa was a like a really impressive dude. Like, uh, he had like a 141 IQ, you know, like very bright man, like, uh, highest IQ in his whole battalion. Like, and, and like, uh, I'm just like, my mom's very bright too. And I, I just think I'm a lucky person, you know, cause I've talked about like being sad a lot this podcast. I, I just kind of want to bounce back. It's like, I feel like I'm very lucky and I'm very fortunate and like, I, I have enough agility to not be like the greatest comedian of all time but it's like yeah i feel like i'm on a good path you know and yeah i just feel like i was born with lots of gifts and you like it here in austin yes i i there there's been several moments where um like i'll be walking downtown and it's like it feels like a different world you know like i'm expanding and i'm growing um i uh, had an experience a few weeks ago where i like talked to a first generation immigrant you know, and it was like the first time I've ever spoken to like a first generation immigrant, like having like a real conversation, you know, and just talking about what that means. And it's like, yeah, okay, like I am actually growing as a person. I'm like leave, leaving my bubble, you know. So yeah, I love it. I love it, man. I love it. Um, yeah, for sure. Cool. So yeah, so you're not jaded. You're not ready to leave for another scene no. anytime soon. No. You're enjoying it. Good. Cool. Mm-hmm. And like, uh, you're gonna be continuing the. Obviously, go to Mike's. Do you have any shows you're, that are coming up? Yeah, um, uh, not shows, no. No, I, I haven't booked any shows that I remember. Um, actually, I need to talk to Maggie Mayfield to see if she still has me on the, like, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, oh, by the way, uh, Maggie Mayfield hosts a Challenge Mike. That's good. I'm gonna throw out my favorite mics. Challenge Mike's a good one. Um, Mueller Mike's good. Uh, Anderson Mill is close to my house, so I frequently go there, but they, they scare me, man. Oh, yeah. And someone's going to kick my ass if I go to They're Anderson tough. Mill. Yeah. Um, yeah. But no, I'm that's not That's good I'm not if you had to name your favorite mic. I think they all suck. Yeah. That's, that's cynical as fuck, bro. Cynical AF, dude. Yeah. Dude, I am beat, man. I'm barely like, keeping my eyes open. All man. right, brother. Well, it was yeah. it was great talking to you. Uh, this has been episode 36 of the Tim Weichselbaum Show, and I had my guest Jack Horner on, and uh, we will see you next week. I hope you all have a good rest of your week. Yeah, thank you so much, Tim, and thanks for watching, guys.